I'm Arya Schwartz along with my co-hosts Rachel Galligan and welcome to the Windsider Show where it's all about the W. Today we got a special guest and we're talking WNBA Finals. show please consider joining our patreon community for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w in our quest to bring as best WNBA finals coverage we can we brought someone on who's been through these finals a few times and walked away with some rings uh please join us in welcoming brian agler to the show thank you very much for having me on Coach, how are you? We're so happy to have you on. You know, you you did such a fantastic job on ESPN behind the booth. You know, you might have a future in that, to be completely honest with you. We wanted to kind of expand on it. Um, I think it's always fascinating to get, you know, a head coach's perspective, someone especially of your caliber who's who's been there, who's won championships and who who understands kind of what's happening um, during this time frame and can explain that to the fans. But Obviously, here we are in a tied series. We've had some 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 dramatic things happen these last couple of days. But um, can you kind of just give us your general thoughts of you know you've been in this position, headed into a game three, kind of what what are your general thoughts as a coach, as a player's um, kind of headed into this Sunday matchup? What what are your kind of general thoughts on it so far? Well, number one, I think Connecticut's in a real good situation right now. And that have, has nothing to do with Elena Deladon, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, here in a second. But when you can go on the road initially and uh, get a game under your belt, a victory under your belt, I should say, uh, and get that confidence, it it really takes the pressure off. And now you're coming home and where you've had a lot of home success and you're going to have a lot of energy in that arena that your team can feed off of, you've got a great opportunity sitting right there at at your feet. And so it's just a matter of what you've got to do now as a coach, if you're in, in Kurt's shoes, is you've got to keep them grounded. You've got to still focus on game three and try to play as well as you can in that setting. Uh, don't try to look toward – you can't win a championship yet in game three. I mean, that's the main thing. So – you can't get ahead of yourself. And sometimes people and teams can will do that. So his main job is to make sure they're fresh on, on Sunday. His main job is to get them prepared, make any kind of adjustments. And they'll have some adjustments to make. Um, even when you win, you know, you have adjustments. Mm-hmm. Make those adjustments and keep the team grounded and keep them rested and fresh for Sunday. Uh, in regard to Washington, um, even though I still think they're a really, really good team without Elena, I don't think there is any way they're going to win this series without her. So their top priority, if they can, is to get her as much to healthy as possible. Um, as I said, they're still going to be a good team. They still have weapons. They still are well coached. They're going to be scheme. They're going to scheme well. They're going to execute well, but. Like I said earlier, when I was doing the the semis, um, you have to you have your your superstars, your bell ringers have to show up and play well. They have to log big minutes, 
and they have to play well. And without Elena, it's going to really be uh, a burden for, for Washington to win this series. Uh, can they stay in there? Can they, um, you know, can they be competitive? Absolutely. You know, they still have some really good players and are extremely well coached. But in regards to, you know, they've got to beat Connecticut now. Um, they got to win one of the next two, and they got to win two out of three. And so they're going to need Elena to do that. So, sorry, Rachel. I, I Rachel, go. Yeah, sorry. I just wanted to expand. I cut you off, Ra, because you know he, he you know, you, you, you're speaking about Elena, and you're talking about preparation moving forward. Um, you know, obviously, there, there's a certain amount of time in between. Um, and it's a little bit uncertain. Maybe it, maybe it's being a little bit kept secret. Maybe it truly isn't unknown as to whether she is going to play or not. So can you talk a little bit more, like if you're Connecticut and you're Kurt Miller and you're preparing these few days, um, how are you preparing with the thought of she's there or she's not? Because obviously that's a, that's a huge, that changes the entire dynamic of a team. So if you're Connecticut, yeah. how do you prepare with her there or, or with not? Do you go through different scenarios or no, you prepare. You just... you just you just prepare for her being there. That's all you do because you know that's the best team. You have to prepare for the best, so okay. you have to anticipate her playing. That's all. Your prep is going to go into that until you know she's not, and you probably aren't going to know that till when it goes up when the introductions are made. Um, if I was Washington, I wouldn't be saying a whole lot right now in regards to her health. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. I thought they really. They probably said a little bit too much, um, but you know that's water over the dam now. But mm-hmm. in regards to Connecticut, you got to prepare for her being there. And they're, as you know, they're a much better team. I don't, I don't, I, I think Washington's up two zero with if she plays in game mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. Well, talk about though on the Washington side because you know whether or not they know more than they're telling. Um, they still have to, to some degree, I mean, maybe they know for sure she's going to play, but I guess it does kind of bring into your mind a little bit more of, do you start to prepare of a game plan without her? And how do you go about that as a head coach? Yeah, you definitely have to play, prepare for her not playing. Now, I, they they have a lot more information than any of us do. So they're going to have a good idea whether she's going to be able to go or not. And I will say this, just because, I think she's really hungry to win a championship. I think she's going to try to play if I know her as well as I think I do. Mm-hmm. You know, she's had a history of missing games and she's had a history of being hurt and that. So, you know, she's 30 years old now or in that range. And these opportunities don't come. They're hard to get. I, I can't right. tell you how difficult they are to get to where they're at right now. She may not get another chance. As good as they are, you never know what's going to happen. They may not get back there again. So they have to fully take advantage of the situation. And I'm sure that they're hungry to do that just because of how it ended a year ago. Mm-hmm. So they're going to prepare without her, hoping that she's going to play. So I, something that's really intrigued me is – in a playoff series, it's so different than, it, you know, the series that you play during the season, the three to four games that you play. Talk to me a little bit about how you prepare kind of in a playoff series versus those same series during the regular season. Well, in the regular season, you know, you're playing these people, 
you know, although Connecticut played Washington three times really early in the season, a couple games without Deladon. But in the regular season, you, you prepare for one game and then you move on to the next one. So in this situation, you know, as you're going through the playoffs, both these teams were top two seeds. So you had an idea that you're going to end up playing them down the road. So you start your prep, you know, 10 days, two weeks, even before you start, you start playing them. And then once you get into the series and once you start seeing teams play in the playoffs and most teams are going to add certain things, Mm -hmm. um, you obviously absorb that into your scout and you start prepping for that, even though you may not practice against it in your mind, you know, you're, coming down that you say, okay, coming down the road here, we're going to have to be ready for X, Y, and Z. And so that's sort of the difference, you know, in regular season, you, you got a couple of days to prepare, you hit that game and then you're on to the next one here, you know, it's going to be a series. It's going to be five games. And even after each game, you know, you have to reevaluate, you know, things that went well for you and things that didn't go well for you. And you try to counter that, you know, things that went well for your opponents to try to take those things away in the next game. Mm -hmm. I think, I think the last game, what you saw is you you heard the communication of Connecticut saying they needed to get Jockwell Jones more involved in the offense. And they not only did that, but without the presence of Elena Deladon, she was really, she really had the ability to control things at the rim, scoring Mm -hmm. and rebounding. And, uh, you know, I think was the first player in the history of the playoffs, WNBA playoffs, that anybody had a 30 and 15 game. Mm-hmm. And that shows you how dominant she was in game two. Kind of expanding on that, you know, just looking at just, just out of these two games, you know, what, what are some of the things that teams struggle with? You know, Connecticut, certain actions or certain things that obviously slowing them down. The, the Mystics offense is a struggle that for anyone, <laughs> let alone yeah. just the Connecticut Sun. But, you know, for me, I was really trying to analyzing just the, the different things the Sun were doing. You've talked about JJ getting a lot more touches. That was a huge difference between game one and game two. I thought another one was the rebounding numbers, whether that had a lot to do with Elena being in and out, um, that could be debated. But what are what are some of the things, the actions that you have seen the Sun struggle with and vice versa, what the Mystics have struggled with? Yeah. Uh, one thing I what I've seen, Rachel, is I've seen uh, Washington try to really take advantage of Shakina Strickland at the def- at the Connecticut's defensive end. They've really looked to attack her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Connecticut's, they have, and they've also looked at attack Courtney Williams. Mm-hmm. Connecticut's got three really, really good defensive players, Uh John Quell Jones obviously is one just with her presence around the basket, her ability to challenge and block shots and her ability to rebound. But with Alyssa Thomas and Jasmine Thomas, those are two elite defenders in and they can do it different ways. They're both really good on the ball. They can guard different types of players. They're very versatile Mm -hmm. and they're both really good help defenders. Like uh, Jasmine can really get out in the passing lines, get deflections and steals. Uh, Alyssa is just so physical. She can body up, you know, perimeter players. She can body up bigger post players. And just because of her strength, she can eliminate them getting to spots that they'd like to get to. So um, Connecticut's a lot better defensively than what you might think. But 
Washington attacking um, Williams and attacking Strickland is what I've seen. Obviously, their ball movement and their spacing is always a – it's just a challenge for all teams in this league. And they do a great job of, you know, the best way to, to guard this a lot of times is because because of they're such a great passing team is to switch a lot of the pick and roll. But then when they do – when you do that, they go right to countering that with posting up uh, their bigger post players on smaller guards. Now, going back to the Vegas series, when they did that, Vegas still had enough size in their rotations to challenge uh, even that switch. They made it tough for Messamen in game two, or I guess game three, to take advantage of that. And what I thought they um, Washington needed to do, and they ended up doing it in game four, is instead of playing inside out with a post catch, play inside out off penetration. So attack the, the your little against the opponent's big on the perimeter, really break them down off the dribble, force the defense to collapse and rotate, and then kick to shooters. And mm-hmm. that's Washington's really good at that. And mm-hmm. um, I think they'll have to continue to do that. And that's where Cloud and uh, Atkins and um, some of the other secondary, you know, not necessarily they're the mess of men and, and uh, Deladons, but some of the other people on their team are going to have to step up and hit shots. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked about, you know, last game, we're headed into game three, but you've got kind of this gap here. Um, obviously, you're switching locations, headed up um, to Connecticut. Talk a little bit about what are what are teams doing in, during this period of time? You know, is, is, it, is it as much on court? stuff as it is film preparation is it getting shots are teams taking a break i mean you've been in this scenario what what do these five days look like so they played uh they played tuesday night wednesday would have been a travel day so i doubt anybody did anything on the court on wednesday if they did it was just a walkthrough and some shooting Mm -hmm. Um, but they spent that more for travel and they probably needed that just from the standpoint of playing two games in three days. So yesterday and today and tomorrow um, are going to be, you know, court days. But I still, it's nothing more than staying sharp, putting in different tweaks to your offense, putting in different rotations to your defense that you may want to try to use. Um, just staying sharp that way, doing walkthroughs, watching a lot of film. You know, breaking that down, watching yourselves play, watching your opponents play, and really just trying to find ways to get better without. Uh, you got to do two things. You got to stay sharp, but you can't wear your team out. That's a mm-hmm. good balance right there. So I would say on court is probably an hour or less at the most. And you're probably watching film before and after practice. And then once Saturday comes around, you know, now it's all prep, you know, now it's, you know, whatever their pre, you know, their lead up practices, the games are, they're probably going to try to stay in that routine. And then uh, an afternoon game on Sunday, you know, there probably won't be much of a, a walkthrough. It'll probably be get up, watch film, you know, get a pregame meal and then get over to the arena a little bit earlier. If you don't do a walkthrough just to get some, some shots up and then get into your, you know, your pregame routine. Mm-hmm. Well, Coach, I, I got a little bit put you on the hot seat. If you were a betting man, how many games does this series go? 
I think you've got to look at it in two different ways. I think if Elena Deladon does not play or if she's not 100%, I think it goes four games and Connecticut wins it at home. Mm-hmm. I think if I think if Elena Deladon plays and she gets back to 100%, then I think it goes five games and Washington wins it. All right. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> the, the hot take but from I Coach Engler himself. <laughs> it all hinges on her right now to me. Yeah, no, I think um, I think uh, everybody can agree on that one. Uh, there's there's no doubt about that. And we're obviously everyone is keeping their fingers crossed that uh, she is recovering and feeling okay and able to play because the world is just a better place with Elena Deladon out on the court. So our thoughts. Yeah, are I think, I think, yeah, I, I agree. I think I, I was, it was interesting for Kurt to say, you know, to be quoted what he said, I, and I agree with what he's saying that, you know, the series needs her in it, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a lot. If he wants a ring, it's a lot better <laughs> for him if she's not playing because it's, it's going to be a tough road, even though they've got to win on the road, which is very important. Now Washington's going to have to do the same thing. You know, they're yeah. going to have to go on the road and get one. Well, it's as, it's as big as game changer as anything and probably in the history of game changers. You know, if we're talking about yeah. one player, whether she's playing or not, it really truly does in so many ways make such a difference. But let's, let's switch gears here, coach. You know, you, you've got a lot going on yourself. Um, obviously, first year under your belt um, with the Dallas Dallas Wings. You guys have not been done long, but what have you been doing these last couple of weeks? We, we saw that you uh, went and went, went and watched Team USA. Yeah, so, um, you know, for me, this is just me talking. You know, I can't speak for, for other people, but, like, even as we were starting to wind down our season, we were already starting to think about, you know, the 2020 season and just planning our strategy and how we're going to build our roster and what our needs are and, you know, how we're going to keep building our, our whole organization, really basketball side of things. So we planned on this trip. I wanted to go down and watch one support Arike, number two, watch team USA play. And, and then I I definitely wanted to see uh, Canada play and Brazil play because those Two teams usually have, you know, WNBA players or WNBA caliber players on their roster. And so I went down and watched the semis and the finals of that, and it was very, it was great. I enjoyed it. You know, it's always nice to, my second time I've been to Puerto Rico, I enjoy it down there. And um, it was good to get down and talk to some of the people at USA Basketball and watch Enrique play and watch the team play and scout these other teams. And um, then got back home, and then the next day, uh, you know, Lindsey Gottlieb has hired as an assistant to Cavaliers, and Christina Nigway is on our team. So Christine was in Cleveland at the Cavaliers practice. So Bryce and I drove to Cleveland yesterday. I live in Ohio in the off season, and uh, we drove up there and watched practice, and had a chance to meet uh, and visit with uh, some of their staff, and uh, had had lunch with, with Christine and had a chance to visit with her. She's leaving for China here at the end of the month. And, you know, just try to, you know, stay in communication. Uh, it's part of, you know, building your team. You just want to keep everybody on the same page as much as possible and, um, you know, give them the support that they need. Mm-hmm. Coach, with a breakout season that Enrique had, I mean, how much does that, affect the the future roster moves and 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 also what do you expect i mean like what is the ceiling for season two 
Uh, the ceiling, I don't know. I think a lot will be determined on how our draft goes and how free agency goes and how people improve. And, you know, we have, you know, two really good guards that didn't play this year in, in Skyler and Mariah. And we know those two are going to help us in a big way. Um, so there's a lot of things that, um, you know, won't be the same as a year ago. So, you know, our goal is just to try to keep improving and, and uh, you know, focus on each day, one day at a time, and just try to get better and try to position yourself. That's all it is. You know, each season you try to position yourselves to get in the playoffs. And uh, this, this league is always going to continue to get more competitive and more balanced. Teams are getting better and good players are coming in the league and not many are retiring. And so, uh, it's a very competitive situation, but I like our roster as it is I, in regards to our youth. I, that we definitely have to get better, but I, through maturity, you usually do improve. We have some areas that we need to improve on with our roster. Some of those are going to be addressed with the addition of Skyler and Mariah. We anticipate uh, Azare being healthy and playing next year, So um, and Taylor Hill as well. You know, mm-hmm. so there's four pretty good players that are going to be added with the, without even talking about draft or free agency. So we're going to be improved, um, but it's still a, a process of building and knowing that we want to be playing this time of the year at some point. Mm-hmm. And as you do that, you know, headed into the off season when the WNBA finals are long long done and players have gone overseas, and what what does this off season look like for you? You know, how how do you spend your time? You spend your time headed obviously you're watching this draft class as much as possible but but kind of tell the listeners what what does uh, a WNBA head coach do this time of year right now is probably the slowest time in regards to activity um, just because the college season hasn't started so getting out and watching practices and then getting you know putting our schedule together uh, for our our college scout and also putting this our schedule together with uh, if we decide to go overseas and watch some of the international teams play. This year is going to be a little bit different um, because USA Basketball is going to put a team together that travels, and um, they're going to play four games early on in November. They're going to play at Stanford on November the 2nd, uh, at Oregon State on November the 4th, at Texas A&M on November the 7th, and then back out to Oregon on November the 9th. So those will be games that will be interesting to, to watch just because they have WNBA players, really good ones, in the game playing against some really good prospects coming into the league. You know, it's good to always see those people go head-to-head. And then just try to find the, the good matchups to watch, you know, the, the interconference matchups, you know. So who are the best teams this year? you got Oregon. you got Texas A&M. You've got... Baylor, you you know, you can, you can go through it. You know, there's seven or eight really good teams that are going to have one or two potential first-round draft picks. So you want to, you know, watch those teams play and get an idea of, okay, so here's what our needs are. Who's who, Here's who we think is going to be available at this pick and then really hone in on those people and get a good evaluation. 
Well, that's great to hear, Coach, and thank you for your time. Uh, as we always say to finish our episodes, we believe the players of the W and its community deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receives on a daily basis. Please consider joining our Patreon community to help support us and the hard work that we do. And a big thank you to head coach Brian Agler. Thank you, coach. Thank you so much for having me on. All right.